0: Brushes and they have other things and little baskets. And uh, when they set to work on a patch of ground, first of all, they know it's going to take a long time. Archaeologists will work on a patch of ground, you know, 20 feet by 20 feet for maybe for years. It takes a lot of perseverance to uncover what's under the dirt. And archaeologists are skilled at that and good at that. And we Christians need to be more like archaeologists as we look at our life, And instead of saying not much there to talk about, I want you to get out your little pick and your little whisk and your little broom and your little shovel and start digging around in there. And I'm challenging you to think that you would be surprised at what you would find (coughs) underneath. I'm continually, even now at this point in my life, thinking through my story, my early years, my teenage years, my early twenties, I'm always thinking about the story uh, like an archaeologist, looking for something to uncover uh, that I can add into the story that I have. I believe it's easier to spot God's workings in hindsight rather than right at the time that they're happening, right? Uh, Often I will find that uh, as I look back on my life, I'll go, oh, I never noticed that, or Interesting, I didn't see how God had arranged that person to come into my life at that point and say those words to me. And sometimes you connect the dots later in hindsight as you look over your life. If you're looking at it to discover the workings of God and the hand and the spirit of God working in your life. Some things that, you know, I've thought about and discovered in my own life. uh, A lot of people came to me and asked questions along the way of me. Questions often that made me uncomfortable. I think that's why I remember them so well. You know, I, I got cornered by my Sunday school teacher once and asked me if I was saved and knew Jesus, and I think I was about seven. And uh, so there's when I wanted to die and go to heaven, hopefully, right on the spot. But uh, I always remember the sincerity of his question. Concern for my soul. Though so was he a little forward? I don't know. We'll leave that to God. I don't think so, because I still remember it, and uh, and it was effective in my life. But lots more than that. Uh, I had a, I had, a, I remember my dad and I working at the, at a cement mixer, and he asked me a question. Just we took a little break, asked me a question. I stumbled with an answer, and then we went back to work. Wasn't a big theology lesson, just a question. But it's part of my story, and I should be telling those stories to other friends in appropriate times, in appropriate ways. Not not rudely but uh, such that it might connect with them and their heart as well i had a bible given to me when i was uh, 21 years old by my older sister and the story is is that i was the most ungrateful recipient went on the shelf didn't want to look at it didn't that wasn't the gift i wanted at christmas time nine months later a part of my story is i started to read it and never stopped And that's part of my story, God working there and uh, using that incident in my life. I had an atheist roommate when I was in third year of university at Waterloo. We were doing the dishes. He asked me a question about the existence of God, and I froze to the floor not knowing how to answer it. I'll never forget that moment because there was me and Dave in the kitchen and God. And uh, God was speaking through my atheist roommate to me. That's part of my story. We have to unearth these little things and and dust them off and tell them. You must always tell them truthfully, though. Our uh, tendency as humans is maybe to say, well, if I just exaggerated a little bit and embellished it a little bit more, it would have more impact. Don't do that. Just tell it like it is or was. And uh, let God take it from there. doesn't need your help. Uh, uh, He doesn't save people through my lies as a Christian. So uh, let's not tell any. (coughs) Really important. Another Christian friend asked me a pointed, personal question on a New Year's Eve in Chicago that shook me to my core. I won't tell you all the details, but it's part of my story. Remember I said a lot of little stories all combined together to tell the big story. And, uh, and I think it's important for all of us to maybe go back, recalibrate, and relook uh, at, at our lives and our history and look for the fingerprints of God through our lives. Last Sunday night, Kathy and I were at uh, Einar and Jen Skolsegg's for supper, and uh, I think Kathy asked Einar more about his story. Tell me your story, Einar. And oh man, the evening was wonderful. Just listening to Einar tell his stories and all the twists and the turns and and the circumstances of his life and everything—it was so edifying. And when one Christian even tells your story to another Christian, it builds faith. You see God at work, and you go, "Wow, that's amazing." And, and, of course, we tell our stories to non-Christians as well, but it doesn't matter who you're telling it to. God will, God will use it, and it's important. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, verse 16, Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. And the apostle Peter is famously, famously wrote once, Always be prepared To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You know, friends, we have been called and commissioned not primarily to be preachers. We've been called and commissioned to be witnesses. There's a difference. Some people are called to be preachers, and uh, they, 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 they fulfill their calling as God enables them. But vast majority of us, or not vast... All of us, you might be a preacher too, but all of us are called to be witnesses. And witnesses simply tell their story. What did you see? What did you hear? Uh, Suppose I was in court as a witness and the judge said to me, Mr. Fairchild, you know, uh, uh, were you on the corner of uh, uh, Norfolk and Suffolk uh, on uh, October the 23rd, 2022? And I'll say, yes, your honor, I was. And then he'll say, good, can you tell the court what you saw? And then I would tell the details. I don't have to convince anybody of anything. Just tell the details. Oh, there was a car coming down, another car, kid on a bike, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, uh, and I describe what I saw perhaps about an accident. Uh, <coughs> that's just hypothetical. But the, uh, the witness, that's all that the witness does. Tells what they have seen and heard and experienced. You may not feel like you are anyone special in this world. But could you accept this? You are the world's foremost expert in one particular subject area. That is your life and your story. There ain't nobody else around who can tell it better than you can. Because it's you. It's your story. You live there. You know there. Some guy might say, I yeah, you're you're full of baloney, that's not true, and you can you can with full authority say, No, that's exactly what happened. It's my life. I was there, I saw it, I heard it. And so uh, I want you to go out of here with your head held high this morning. I'm a foremost expert in some subject in this world, because you are. Now we need to steward, as I said earlier, the story that God has led us through and unearth the details so they can be told. Better and with confidence. Let's read John 9. Uh, it's, a, it's a lengthy passage, but it's 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 one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And this is about a this is about a blind man who gets healed, like from total darkness to 2020 uh, by Jesus. And 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 I admit it's an extraordinary story, and it's an unusual story and a powerful story, and probably, probably, maybe not. No one in this room has a story like this. Okay, I admit that, but I still want to read it and, uh, and look at it, and then challenge us to be able to tell our stories with the same degree of confidence. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing let's break in here for a moment just to notice this this mud stuff jesus did that a couple of times in the gospels why did he do that i haven't got a clue is there some deep theological significance maybe but i don't know what it is you know uh, the point here is that different people were healed in different ways everybody has a unique story to tell of how god uniquely worked in their life so do you and so do i It might be a mud story. It might be something completely different. But it still is the power and the hand of God working in our lives. Verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Notice his confidence there, his full conviction. Um, no, it's me, and he, he wasn't afraid to say so. And even in the telling of our own stories, we need to have that same kind of confidence about what God has done in my life. It has it, happened in my life. I am the man or the woman. Verse 10, how then were your eyes opened? they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. That's it. Pretty short story, right? Pretty powerful, but that was his whole story. That's that's the essence of it. The, the, the man, and he even knew the man's name, Jesus, but that's about all he knew about Jesus. And the mud told me to go wash, and my, my eyesight came back, and that was his story. So if your story is fairly simple, fine. We need to tell it with confidence of what is true in our life. Verse 12, where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. <laughs> there's, there's lots in our stories that we don't know. How do you know the Bible was inspired? Uh, I don't know, but I do know something. And that's where we need to go every time. Back to what you know for sure. How did Jesus do those miracles? Why did he do that mud thing? I don't know. That's okay. Tell them what you do know. This is what this guy does through this whole story. He keeps going back to what I do know. And uh, let's keep reading here. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees, this is quite a stir here. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh-oh. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Listen to his story. Same thing. He, he's, there's nothing new here. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. End of story. Some of the Pharisees said... In conclusion, this man is not from God, this man referring to Jesus, (coughs) for he does not keep the Sabbath. In their opinion, he didn't keep the Sabbath. Uh, It wasn't true, but that's what they were claiming. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him, about the man who healed you? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He's a prophet, uh, fairly thin on his theology here, right? He doesn't know a lot. It's, his name is Jesus, mud, go to wash, I can see. What is he? Uh, I, he didn't know all about the eternal son of God and the incarnation and, and all of the, the, the full deity humanity of Jesus and, and of his omniscience and omnipresence and, and omni-whatever. Uh, he just, I think he's a prophet. And to him, a prophet was like a man of God. Some kind of man of God with, with s- some significance in this life. So that's what he said. He's a prophet. Uh, people may, may be asking us certain theological questions or some things which we don't really know. Tell them what you do know. Was the man correct? Was Jesus a prophet? Yes, but much more than just a prophet. But tell them what you know, and that's all that God asks of us. He had a limited understanding. Verse 18 they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they, until they sent for the man's parents. Don't be surprised if you not believed, okay? <coughs> uh, it must have been hard for them to have not believed this man's story, but they didn't. They were digging for some kind of uh, contradiction, some kind of fault that they could pin on him and dismiss the whole thing and be safe then in their own theological position. But... Uh, they sent for the parents don't be surprised if people don't believe don't think oh man I failed in telling my story no he didn't if you told it you succeeded period so they get the parents Uh, uh, is this your son verse 19 they asked is this the one you say was born blind how is it that now he can see we know this is our son the parents answered and we know he was born blind but how he can see or who who opened his eyes we don't know Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Some people have said the parents were cowards here. I don't say that at all. They, they, they felt the pressures of all of this situation and they were quite right in saying, he is of age, ask him. Get him to tell it. We're not telling his story secondhand. Let him tell it firsthand. He's right over there, 20 feet away. And, uh, and so they did uh, that. But uh, again, the, the, f- f- the uh, incredulity of the people trying to find out is, is amazing here. You might run into the same thing as you tell your story. Okay, 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said, by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. That's false. And people will come at you with false claims. We know the Bible was just written by men. It's full of contradictions. We know that there's no proof that Jesus really even existed. Blah, blah, blah. That's all fake news. That is not true. It didn't deter this man, though, from sticking to his story. Like, I don't know. One thing I do know. And this is his most famous statement. Verse 25, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know. I was blind and now I can see. That's really important. He was not deviating from his story at all. He wasn't going to go out into the theological weeds. Just stick to the facts, ma'am. And that's what he did. Verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered. Now he gets a little feisty here. I kind of like this. He pushes back a bit. Like, "This is this the same question you asked me 20 minutes ago? So he says, he answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. I don't know if you say that to a Pharisee, really, but uh, why do you want to hear it again? And this one really makes me laugh. Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him, not just disagreed. Insults were hurled. There's a ferocity, ferocity about that, uh, that they did. There's hatred creeping in here now. You are this fellow's disciple. At least he's getting recognized as being a follower of Jesus. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man grows a little more confident, actually. He's not deterred in the least, because he knows that once he was blind and now he can see. The man answered, Now that's remarkable, he says. I could hear a little sarcasm here, maybe. That's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. What the man is saying is, I think he's from God. In fact, he says that next. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's absolutely right there. And uh, and he he's not backing down from these guys at all. I think he's from God. He said, to this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. That's not very nice, is it? So were they. Uh, How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That's where we'll stop. <clears throat> Although you should read to the end of the chapter. Because he kind of stumbles out of there, probably thinking, I've utterly failed. And he gets a tap on the shoulder. And it's Jesus. Jesus came looking for him. Because this man had so faithfully told his simple story. He had a special visit. And in the early part of the story, his physical eyes were opened. In the, in the little part that we don't have time to get into, his, the eyes of his heart are open. And he embraces Jesus as Messiah and Savior. It's, it's really, really neat. If you're not accepted, if you get thrown out of the synagogue, <clears throat> it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your story. Just tell it faithfully. Okay, back to the archaeologist. <clears throat> As I said, our stories may be a little less or a lot less dramatic than this man's and and, and you have to do a little more work. This man didn't have to work at all really to tell his story. It was right there on the surface. But I'm saying we have to start unearthing our stories, digging around in the details, thinking maybe through your high school years, thinking maybe through your twenties or whatever, thinking about how you got married or not, how you got your job or not, what God was doing in your life, your friends in high school Uh, We need to think through the details and and come up and, and unearth them and be able to put them into words so that we can tell them all these little stories as part of our big story. One caution here. You know how sometimes somebody seems a little bit spiritually open? A mistake that Christians make is they tell their whole story over the next 45 minutes and that poor person is just begging for someone to come along and rescue them. So don't do that. I mean, unless this person is saying, tell me more, tell me more, this is awesome, tell me more, then tell them more, of course. But don't dump the whole load of hay on them, as they will say. Sometimes you just tell a little one-minute thing, a little three-minute thing. It might, you don't have to lead the person all the way to the cross and see them repent and believe at that first time you get to talk with them. You might just Tell a little story from your life, from your experience, the essence of that story being there's a God and he's good and he's worth knowing. That's that's the conclusion. But you've told that little bit of your story and they go away thinking, hmm, maybe. God's in charge here. He will lead them to the next storyteller and the next storyteller and the next. If he's going to get them all the way to the cross, he can do that. So it's important to think about that (coughs) and to realize that. In fact, I would say, have good manners when you tell your stories. Don't talk too much. Don't be rude. Don't look down on this person who's not a believer, not like I am. None of that. Accept the fact that they are not a believer. Accept the fact that maybe your friend is an atheist. Don't make them feel bad for that. Just tell your story and let God work in their life. I think that's so important. Uh, there are things about your story. What did you think about God before you became a Christian? And now that you are a Christian, did you dismiss God? Did you have no, no thought of God whatsoever? I remember hearing one man tell a story about how, how golf was his God. And, and, and as he told it, it was just, just I could just picture it. He, golfing was, he said, God was ninth on my list. I don't know how he figured that out, but, but, uh, <clears throat> but I, I could picture that as he told that story. Uh, maybe you didn't believe in God, maybe you were angry at God, but tell that part of your story. That person might need to hear you say that and say, that's just the way I am. You know, it might connect somehow as God leads you. Leads you. What, what did you think about Jesus? Just some sort of philosophical, hippie, you know, wise person, religious person, and that's about it? Then, then tell that part of your story. Describe it. And then describe the change once I was blind now I can see but make it live make it make it real in their life maybe you could talk about the bible had no use for the bible never read the bible threw the bible read the bible threw it away didn't it made me angry i don't know tell the story about that and, and why always be answering why 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 did i think that why was i like that what ha- what effect did that have on my on my life and uh, and then tell of the change How the bible began to be god's voice in your life or something like that however it is for you what about christians couldn't stand them hypocrites blah 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 and you but describe it tell it and then tell what happened when you became one it was like paul that was his story hated christians gonna kill them all all of a sudden i am one wow it was pretty powerful once i was now i am There's a book I've read uh, called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. It's actually quite good. It's all about witnessing and telling our story. Your story, they say, captures the head and the heart of the listener and can move people to consider ideas they never have considered before as they hear you tell your story. Jesus was well aware of the power of a good story. His parables of the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, and the seeds planted in different kinds of soil all painted pictures in people's minds and allowed truths to penetrate their hearts. I remember once (coughs) I was 21, somewhere back there. (coughs) It was August. I'd been out socializing on my bike, on my motorcycle. Came home late at night, 11 o'clock or so. Didn't go home. I drove further down the road, way past where my parents lived over in Cambridge. Went up, rode up this high hill. And, uh, and I stopped and turned my bike off and pulled over to the side of this gravel road. And I was looking down into a valley outside of Cambridge and the Grand River was flowing by down below me like half a mile away. And there was a full moon. I remember the full moon. And I stood there in the silence and there literally were only crickets. And God was speaking to me. It's part of my story. I was wrestling with what am I gonna do with my life? In the silence under the moon, looking at the Grand River, me and the crickets and God, tell those stories. That's not that spectacular. It's just a guy living his life and dealing with, with God. And uh, hopefully you've got dozens of those little stories to tell. And perhaps the person who's listening to me would go, well, that's not quite how I pictured I thought you had to be in church. You know, I thought you had to be at a big gospel crusade thing. You were, you were. Oh, I can kind of relate to that. and And it opens their minds and opens their hearts for the spirit of God to Step in and speak and call people to himself. I told you a few do's and don'ts. Tell your story appropriately. Let the spirit lead. Never say, I'm going to tell this guy my whole story, whether he likes it or not. I said the one about don't talk too long. Be truthful. Invite feedback. Maybe you tell a little bit of your story and you could perhaps say, instead of maybe they don't know what to say next, maybe you could say, have you ever heard anything like that before? They might say, no, not really. You could say, "Uh, do you think I'm crazy? I mean that. Ask them, do you think I'm crazy? They'll tell you. Have you ever experienced anything like that yourself? Just a couple of little follow-up questions, not too... Probing, not too uncomfortable, just just inviting a little feedback. You never know where it will go. Your purpose is not to win an argument. It's not to convert somebody on the spot. Remember what I said earlier? It's to just be a credible witness about what's God been doing in your life. Don't be afraid to speak of your own failings. That connects. Be truthful your own shortcomings, <coughs> mistakes you've made along the way and how God has spoken to you about them, perhaps. My, my desire is that God would be real to the person who's listening. He'd say, wow, I can understand that. I can see that. Uh, <coughs> Even now you have questions about God. We all do. Don't be afraid to say so. Tell him I'm still trying to figure this out. You know, maybe someone not healed, something that didn't happen, why something happened in my life. Uh, Don't don't pretend that you've arrived and have it all figured out. This is just part of your story. It's where you're at. So in conclusion, the church is a collection of people with stories to tell. Stories about God. About discovering Jesus. About a heart that was hard and has begun to change. Not perfect, but changing. Every story is the same. Every story is different. But they all end up at the same place at the feet of Jesus, to the glory of God. Dear Lord, we pray that you would help us to be good archaeologists, help us to be determined to go to work. Perhaps it might take six months, it might take six years, but Lord, help us to find, show us those things, remind us of those parts of our story that we can tell our friends that might touch their hearts. For the glory of God, amen.